Hey everybody, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. And we're back with another beautiful episode of Every Horror Movie on Netflix. We're here today with our returning guest, Allison with a Y. Hello. Hello. And we're here today with new guest, Katie. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for being here. Our long-term friend, Steven, is taking the week off. Yeah. So we thought we'd, we'd double up on the guests for the first time ever. Yes. It's Amazing. an exciting day. We miss Steven, but we're glad to have Katie here. Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself. What what brings you here? Why do you why do you even want to be here today with us schmucks? Uh, well, <laughs> I've known uh, Patrick and Allison for both of them for quite a while. Um, and I really love horror movies. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that not a lot of people know about me. And you watch a lot you watch a lot of Netflix horror, I know, I too. I do. Yeah. I do. What's your favorite thing you've seen on Netflix? Horror-wise, that is. Okay. I watched Apostle recently and mm. really liked that. There were some unexpected twists in that one that I mm. didn't see coming. I thought the ending was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting, the cast was fantastic. I mean, it has Michael Sheen in it, who mm. I love mm-hmm. Michael Sheen so much. Mm. And um, oh, what's his face? Dan? Stevens? Dan Stevens. Yes, Dan yes. Stevens. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. It was very fun to watch. I Plus haven't seen it. I, I think we got some listener mail that, that recommended that yeah. to us. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, just haven't got there yet. There's too much to watch. Yeah, I enjoyed it because it didn't know what to expect going in. It wasn't, I didn't find it to be super predictable. So what's your, what's your like go-to sort of genre? What are you usually looking to get out of horror? Like, what do you, what do you love about horror? What are you looking for when you watch a horror movie? I mean, I love a good paranormal scare. Mm-hmm. Like, I just remember watching The Conjuring alone in my apartment in the dark and being freaked out. It yes. just, like, felt... I was physically uncomfortable watching mm-hmm. The Conjuring in my apartment. But then I, sometimes I like a good a good gory scare, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Cool. And you are also a uh, Every Horror Movie Netflix listener, if not fan. You've definitely listened to a few apps, right? I have. Yeah. I have, and I've enjoyed them. Thank so, you. Thanks for having me on the show. We need those listens. <laughs> Good. Yep. Pre- prerequisite for being a guest is saying nice things about our show. Yeah. I love you guys so much. Oh my yes. gosh. We right. love you too. It's, we're so <laughs> glad you're here. And then after you become a guest, you can start trolling okay. after that point. So, right. Patrick, you picked the episode this week. Tell us about it. I was just about to, in fact. I picked Holidays, which I picked uh, totally randomly before our last episode because I I knew I had to pick something. And I was just like going through the Netflix like list. I didn't want to pick something obvious or like a classic or anything. I, yeah, just didn't want to go for anything too obvious. And I saw Holidays, and I love anthology movies. I love movies that are a series of vignettes. And I'm sort of fascinated with things that have to do with the holidays. So I went with this. And boy, it is both of those things. Like, it's definitely a series of vignettes about the holidays. Yes, it is. (laughs) So to set up the basic uh, premise, it's eight vignettes, right? Yeah, it was eight. And each one deals with a different holiday. It's usually pretty clear which holiday you're dealing with at the beginning of the vignette. And we go in chronological order, starting with Valentine's Day and going down through uh, New Year's Eve. I thought that was an interesting Mm -hmm. choice to organize it that way. Yeah. It makes sense because it's chronological and you're going through the year but i don't know i guess usually i've seen anthologies that kind of are strategic with 
placing their material and you know yeah. starting on a high note and ending on a high note and which isn't to say that this movie doesn't do that i just thought it was interesting that they just have a very that that's a good point because i think <laughs> this movie at least in my opinion led with some stronger material and i think it could have done with some reorganization to put some of the stronger stuff later yeah instead of just going strictly chronological and also there were two that were pretty close to one another that had a very similar theme in yes. them and yes. i won't say what that is right now but i think those two could have been spaced out more mm-hmm. um but restricting it to chronological put those right together yeah. right up at the front and i was like is yeah. this gonna is this gonna be all all of them mm-hmm so. mm-hmm it's interesting. There's a different director, a different writer for every segment. You kind of learn the holiday and the title of the segment as a little punchline at the end of each one. And other than that, there's really no organizing structure. Um, we're going to try and kind of do this a little differently. We decided today we're going to summarize real quickly everything up front and then review and then go to the spoiler room. Since it's eight different stories and eight different sets of spoilers, almost everything we could talk about will be a spoiler. So let's. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe we could just take turns anybody want to just like give a quick summary of what we're talking about on the valentine's day one all right i got this one okay allison (laughs) Allison with a y hit us all right so uh the basic premise of the valentine's one is a middle what i'm assuming was a middle school girl a swimmer is bullied and has a crush on her swim coach Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, chaos ensues. I think I think I think that's actually an appropriately vague and brief summary because these are all like fifteen minutes each. So there's not a whole lot we can say without yeah, getting into spoilers. This is a little difficult for me to get my head around because a lot of these, the premise kind of is the whole story. Mm-hmm. These aren't deep stories. That's kind of something that bothered me about the movie. No, but how deep a story can you tell in fifteen minutes? That's yeah that's true but but like you you get the gist you get the premise and it's like oh that's it and sometimes there's a spooky little punchline that's like yeah gotcha yeah and then that's your that's your short yeah yeah but um yeah i guess we can we can go on and and attempt to kind of give the broad strokes of what's going on in each of these so i mean because it pertains to my name i'll I'll say the saint patrick's day (laughs) one (laughs) which was one of my favorites um minus a couple of moments that we'll talk about in the spoiler room <laughs> um deals with a, a grade school teacher who has a very creepy kid in her class who uh seems to be inspired in certain supernatural ways by the uh classic myth of saint patrick driving the snakes out of ireland and uh chaos ensues <laughs> <laughs> anybody want to take a stab at the easter one um, I'll take that one. Yeah. So this one is... Um, I know this one hit you hard, Katie. It did. We watched this well, together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is... There's a little girl lying in bed. T- her mom's tucking her in. And it's the, the night before Easter. And her mom's telling her about, you know, you gotta gotta go to sleep and the easter bunny's gonna come overnight and bring you know candy eggs and chicks and things but you gotta make sure you stay in bed and stay asleep because no one's supposed to see the easter bunny mm-hmm. and chaos ensues, and chaos ensues. <laughs> <laughs> so chris i think it's now officially your turn to describe uh mother's day mother's day was one of the more interesting ones for me it's about a woman who apparently conceives every time she has sex and her doctor of all people encourages her to go out in the desert where her sister runs like a a cult-ish fertility retreat and what intentions do they have Ooh. and this one was interesting to me because it was the only one where i had 
like multiple minutes of doubt about what holiday it actually represented. It it takes a while for them to actually reference Mother's Day, mm-hmm. and and this is weird. I thought that maybe it was like an off, uh, like a really off reference to like Native American culture and something to do with like Fourth of July because we have this like vaguely <laughs> these vaguely tribal dances and I'm like is this like some really clueless filmmakers attempt to make like is there like a Fourth of July punchline coming here I don't know it was this was the only one where I was like where are we going this with is this? this is by far the most subtle of any of the segments like with the yeah. holiday theme uh, but with the holiday theme and overall and just what it was trying to do thematically or, or show you this is the only let me put it this way this is the only film of the six or eight that i thought had any subtext whatsoever hmm. i have a very different opinion on that okay. one but we'll discuss that okay. later yeah we will get we'll get deeper into that <laughs> all right next we had father's day yeah Anybody want to volunteer on that one um this, katie i think you should summarize you'd like this one i really lot. like this yeah. one um this uh, this woman gets a box in the mail that contains a cassette recorder um, with headphones and a cassette tape that was recorded by her father mm-hmm. with a surprising message and quest from him. And I think it's a good note for uh, Amon fanatics. Oh, nice. Uh, Jocelyn Donahue, our, our uh, friend from, what was she in that we saw just recently, Chris? Dead Awake, right? Dead Awake. Yeah. And also from House of the Devil. And after Sue, we like quite a bit is yep. in that segment. Yep. And then next up we have Kevin Smith's Halloween. Yes. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Halloween in which we have kills a, again. We have a we have a, a Halloween cams. We have a surrogate for Kevin Smith, <laughs> yeah, who is a depraved operator of a house of webcam girls, and uh, he doesn't treat them very well. Let's just say uh, this is not the best horror film we've seen about uh, cam girls. That's true, or the best horror film we've seen about Halloween, or the best horror film we've seen by any metric. Or the best horror film I've seen by Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what horror film have you seen by Kevin Smith that was Red better State. than this? Oh, I haven't seen yeah. that. Red State. Is that good? It's all right. Doesn't John Goodman play like a right-wing uh, fanatic of some sort? I in think that? he plays the cop, if I remember correctly. Oh. But there's a really good performance by somebody who's been in something since that I can't place his name or I forget the details. But he plays like Jim Jones, and oh, he does wow. it in a very unsettling way. Ooh. It's not literally; it's it's a character that's heavily inspired by Jim Jones and talks oh. like Jim Jones. And you would call it a horror film? I would. Interesting. Yep. Or at least the first half of it is a horror film. Tusk fucking sucks. If we ever do Tusk on this <laughs> podcast, fuck Tusk. It's coming. Allison, do you want to do Christmas or New Year's? Uh, Take your pick. I'll do the other uh, one. I'll do New Year's. Okay. Christmas is about a father who is trying to get a popular Christmas toy for his kid, misses out on the last one, and makes a fateful and dark decision Ooh. to get... Uh, one of these toys for his kids and chaos ensues chaos ensues <laughs> <laughs> allison new year's <sighs> okay i um, don't really know how to describe it without like uh, um i can two people you... two people go on a date on new year's eve they were set up by an online dating site and uh chaos ensues <laughs> i i think that's good i think that's good Okay, so then, since we're obviously dancing around spoilers here, does anyone have sort of general thoughts on the movie, how well it worked, the general format? 
Yeah, so I'm always intrigued by anthology movies. I always want to love anthology movies. I rarely ever actually do love anthology movies. I think part of that is because usually the quality of the movies is so inconsistent, and usually there's long parts of anthology movies where you're just waiting for the next segment to start. This movie I didn't think had that problem. I thought all the movies had an eerily similar quality to them. Mm-hmm. You may disagree, but I, they, they all seem to be kind of on the same level of technical quality and and the quality of the story they felt like they existed in the same universe yes yeah and i was actually i looked up online to see if all the movies actually had their own crews like different cinematographers for each segment and that surprised me too because i thought like the cinematography was very consistent Mm -hmm. i might though be comparing it to like abc's of death which we watched which is just kind of a shit show (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like the clash of styles is, is, is part of the thing um, I thought there were definitely some really distinct creative choices. I mean, especially if you look at like the St. Patrick's Day segment, it feels really unique. It feels like mm-hmm. the work of a very specific um, directorial vision. No, to me, it felt um, watching St. Patty's Day, it felt very Edgar Wright to me. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because it has a lot With of those cuts. quick cut. Yeah. yeah. Kind of things or, or Guy Ritchie ish. Yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. has that vibe. Yeah. I liked how at least in the beginning I really appreciate that the Valentine's episode had a very distinct white and red and pink color palette to it. And then the St. Patrick's Day episode was all tinted green like they were in the Matrix. And then that kind of dropped off. And that kind of, I was like, oh, I never realized that there's a lot of holidays that don't have colors. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like you get to Mother's Day and Father's Day. And yeah. it's just, well, Mother's you know, Day was very loser. earth toned, very warm toned. Mm-hmm. And Father's Day was very cool toned. Very blue. That's a lot of yeah. Yeah. point. Yeah. 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 I noticed that as well. I noticed how prominent the red and white is in the Valentine's Day episode. And then the greenish tint of the St. Patrick's. And I'm glad that they didn't really stick to that, that it wasn't so on the nose. Oh, I know? wish it had been on the nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it worked well in the segments that did use on the nose color choices. But like if the Halloween one had been all orange and black, I don't know if I would have still been feeling it by that point in the proceedings. <laughs> I thought a lot of the segments in this movie were kind of shallow. Like, a, you know, you kind of get the premise and it's kind of a punchline and then that's it. There wasn't a lot of depth to any of them except for the Mother's Day one, like I mentioned. And so that was kind of, I don't know, it seemed kind of like a novelty movie, I guess. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean, if you have a set of eight horror shorts that are all holiday themed, I think it's hard for it not to be novelty, right? Yeah, I think it was, I don't know, at least the whole thing kind of came off to me is it, it it intended to be like a fun watch and yeah. nothing that you ponder on for too long afterwards. Yeah. I I will also say here's another general note before we go to the spoiler room. Loved the opening. Loved that John Carpenter ass music <laughs> in the yeah. opening mm-hmm. credits. Loved the almost insidious ask red and green uh holidays opening title. Oh, yeah. That was dank. Loved it. I mean, I thought the different holidays they had very different tones to them but like mm-hmm. each one was very very effective at communicating its tone and establishing that like pretty quickly through mm-hmm. you know music and mm-hmm. uh the cinematography and stuff because mm-hmm. they had they had very different vibes like the valentine's day it was kind of like a little bit quirky and almost fun and then mm-hmm. father's day was kind of kind of bleak mm-hmm. you know and they i think each one established its tone do you think well. that those tones reinforced the concept of the various holidays or was it just a matter of the different filmmakers having a different style 
I think to me it was more reflective of the filmmakers than the holidays themselves. I can't say that I feel like any of them captured like the spirit of the holiday (laughs) that they were like (laughs) the stories were about, you know. I mean, perhaps the Christmas one. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, well, what Christmas has become. Yeah. Uh, yeah. More I, commentary on our society and what yeah. Christmas has become. We'll have to get into it more but in the yeah. spoiler room, but I, I think I could make an argument that Christmas kind of aimed to describe something about Christmas, at least for part of that story. Valentine's Day, I think, kind of captured what Valentine's means to some people, especially people who are in like high school or middle school, like the girls in the that short um chris you were really looking for themes in this movie yeah i feel i feel feel like you were maybe looking for a little more than it had to offer well i'm always looking for themes in the movie when i especially when i'm supposed to be reviewing a movie um just to say you know why why is why is this happening why is this violence happening in front of my eyes what is this you know entertainment yeah (laughs) Uh, the more shallow a story is too i think maybe the harder i look for themes because Mm. i'm like to keep it interesting i'm trying to find out something about how the filmmakers see the world Mm. and that's because that's where otherwise it's just not interesting i'm really excited to hear your take on the themes in kevin smith's segment That one was a disappointment. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler alert! And you know what? New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. I kind of like too. New Year's I Eve. love New Year's Eve. I've uh, my birthday is New Year's Eve. I have a sentimental attachment to New Year's Eve, yeah. and I, I thought New Year's Eve kind of in a weird way captured the holiday. Have you ever been yeah. on an OK Cupid date on New Year's Eve? No, but I'm inspired to be this year. <laughs> oh, after seeing that, oh gosh. <laughs> All right, I feel like we should we we keep dancing around the spoiler room, so I think we should probably just go there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe one of our reviews will give us something more to talk about before we actually go down the steps. But yeah, no, I think we got a got a review. Well, Patrick, you picked the damn movie. Was it a good decision? Would you view it, cue it, or screw it? You know, I it's it's hard because there's there's some fun stuff in this movie. There are segments that I really liked. They're kind of stacked more towards the beginning of the movie, and there are ones that were kind of mediocre to me you're going to hear a lot of opinions about all these segments coming up on this episode uh so i'm going to say cue it and let all the other opinions you hear make your decision for you if you're sitting on the fence who wants to go next katie what did you think i would give it a solid cue it i think that like you said there's some really fun stuff in here there's some that i didn't care for as much but the ones that i think were strong were interesting enough to watch it but not like it's not a must-see Right. By any measure. Yeah. In my mind. <laughs> yeah. Chris. I, I will give it a cue it. I was really on the fence about that. I knew I wasn't going to give it a screw it. There's enough in this movie that everyone's going to find something to like. It just lacks so much depth that there's really no reason you have to see this movie. I think it makes for a good movie if you're just bored on the couch with a buddy and you want to be stimulated by something. I think people who are specifically... I think people who are really into anthology films might appreciate it more than I did. Um, You know, it was fine. We'll talk about some more, but I'll I'll give it a cue. I I did consider giving it a view it. There's just not enough there for me. Same, so, same. Allison. I am also on the cue it train. Um, the, 
like everyone said, there's a lot of fun stuff in there. There's, you know, definitely ones that I enjoyed more than others. I I don't think it's like, oh my God, you have to see this. But I agree with what Chris said. If you're like hanging out with some friends, you know, it was was fun to watch it with Katie and Patrick, um, and which probably heightened the experience a little bit more than if I was sitting alone. I might have, oh, this isn't a great thing to say. I might have like probably turned it off halfway through if I was by myself, to be honest. Hmm. But Mm. cue it (laughs) let me ask a question that may be more interesting and more revealing and you don't have to specify the the segment but are there any segments on here that you would definitely give a view it to yes Yes. okay that was two emphatic yeses i don't know there were segments i liked i'm not sure there's any segments that i would like if they were on youtube send to somebody and say you should watch this oh absolutely Okay. Yeah. For yeah, me, absolutely. I didn't feel like any of them were particularly view it no. material. Yeah. Because no. most of them left me with lots of questions. E- even the good ones. I was like, this is good, but so what? I have one in particular, which we can talk about in the spoiler room, that I would absolutely call it a view it. I have two, yeah. actually. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so, I mean, this is unusual. Uh, four cuets. I don't even remember the last time we had four cuets. Maybe never, but also a, an apparent diversity of opinion. Right. That's what I was going to say. There's sort of, there, there's there's a certain degree of uh, un- unanimity uh, among us right now. But there's going to be, I think there's going to be some differing opinions down in the spoiler yeah. room. So, we should probably get on down there. And if you uh, want to go watch the movie for yourself, go do that. If not, follow us down to the spoiler room where we're going to spoil fucking everything we're gonna spoil eight fucking movies (laughs) (laughs) what more can you ask for yeah see you then see you there Okay, everybody, welcome back. We're down here in the spoiler room, and we're about to spoil all eight of these fucking segments. <laughs> but vignettes, thank you very much. Vignettes, thank you. Yes, much classier term. But before we do that, I want to remind you all that we now have t-shirts. We have Amon t-shirts that you can buy. A shocking number of you have bought them already, which thank you for doing that. And if you haven't already gotten one, they're pretty stylish. They look pretty cool. If you go on our social media, you can see sweet pictures of me and Allison wearing these shirts. It looks great. You're wearing it right now. It, it does. Yeah, I am wearing it right now. Allison took hers off because it was smelly. <laughs> <laughs> not because of Allison. No, it's please of our... wash your shirt before you wear it. Yeah, um, just that's just it, do that. It came smelling a little odd, but uh, you know, <laughs> yours. It, you know, listen, listener, if you order one, yours uh, probably won't come smelling. It probably won't smell like formaldehyde when you get it. Anyways, if you want, poison, if you want to buy one of our poison t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> If you want one of our sweet shirts, go to our website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Click the merch link, order one of those t-shirts, and uh, send us a picture of it. Like, send us a picture of yourself wearing the shirt. You can, you know, DM us. You can tag us. And we might uh, share it on our social media if we like it. If you're if you're rocking it, you got to rock it. Anyways, let's get back to these movies. Yeah, though. I was just looking to fact check to make sure that there is actually eight segments and I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and the first sentence says Holidays is a 2016 American horror anthology film of subversive short horror films. Oh. 
Ooh. It's I mean, a bold I, I guess word choice. Subversive. I don't know if I would call them subversive. But. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But um let's start let's start from the top. Let's though. start at the very beginning. Let's get a very into good the place to start. The, let's get into the nitty-gritty of Valentine's Day. Uh, young love. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 this mo- this one kind of exemplifies my problem with all i mean every short exemplifies my problem with this movie i was really drawn in i was like this is great and i was like is that really just that that's really what we're just ending up with this Uh, basic storyline is there's a girl on the diving team is it high school or middle school i thought it was high school they're they're young kids are looking younger and younger these days Um, (laughs) it's a high school diving team there's a girl who's just brutally bullied by every other member of the team. She's called Maxie Pat all the time because her name's Maxine. Mm. Yeah. She has a crush on her swim coach mm-hmm. who can't do anything about the other bullies because they're putting on a fundraiser for him to get a new heart because he has yeah. he needs a new heart. He's sick. He is, com- But he is completely useless as a swim coach. Like, yeah, I defending, mean- like, letting these girls... He like bully her so severely to the point where he stands there while one of the girls, the the head bully, actually climbs up the diving board yes. and pushes Max off of the end of the diving board, and he has to go in and save her. Yes. Like you didn't see that happening and think to stop it at any point. Yeah, he at first makes the lamest attempt to make them stop taunting her, and I was like, okay, this guy's doing his job. He's a good guy, and then they go right back to it, like Maxi Pad, Maxi Pad, and then as you said, she climbs the diving. Board. I'm like, what is what is this guy doing? That what yeah, is he being paid but for? They explain that because then we find out that the girls are putting on the fundraiser that week for his heart transplant, and he can't rock the boat with them. Oh, see, that didn't occur to me. Yeah, oh. that didn't. Yeah, that didn't register. Oh with no, me it's either. in there. Does that that makes a lot of sense? And that's really? how we find out also that he needs a new heart. So then our Maxine jumps one of the other girls and attacks her with an exacto knife and cuts out her heart and gives it to the coach on valentine's the day box cutter that her father killed himself with which was which, a wild yeah. detail that to, they to, just kind of dropped out of nowhere the the girl that she did you know whose heart she cut out uh did specifically taunt her about her father who had killed himself yeah. with that knife so maybe not a great choice but also understandable but can we also <laughs> just talk about the fact that the coach because he felt bad that maxine was being bullied wrote her a valentine's well rewrote a valentine's card that he was originally writing for his wife or fiance or whatever and put it in this mm-hmm. girl's locker yeah like how inappropriate is that for a yeah. coach to send a valentine to one of his yeah. one of his students and that's kind of what sets her on the path to carve this girl's heart out and give as a gift like not quite as inappropriate as the way she turned that t into an m i had a lot of problems with that (laughs) (laughs) he starts to write his wife's name which is i don't know taylor or tara or or something something. and then he turns the ta into an ma for maxine and the i don't know if it's an ocd thing but the t turning into an m i was just like no that's Mm, it's a stretch no just scratch it out just write a new yeah, thing. I mean, there's there's no good people in this this story. I just love the final shot though of just her at his door holding the heart out to him. I thought that was hilarious. So, and that turned out to be like sort of a weird twist for me because I assumed that she was decapitating the girl at first, and then she shows up with the heart. Oh, I didn't really? expect her because she the she brings her hands up from out of the frame, and I thought she was going to bring up the girl's head, but it was instead her oh, holding see, the heart. I, yeah. I actually saw that coming. Did you? Pretty pretty yeah. far away because 
she the girl had been taunting her about the box cutter. And then she says to Maxine, what are you doing to get him a new heart? And I was like, uh, oh, yeah. she's going to she's uh, she's going to do something. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's wow. not the only movie. I, like, it was so predictable I didn't even put that together until just now. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the only movie I thought was kind of pre- predictable yeah. in this series. Oh, and yeah. So it, Definitely predictable. You have this stuff where it's like thin premises with just kind of gags at the end mm-hmm. that don't really resonate at any sort of deeper level than, oh, yep, it's a heart off for Valentine's Day. And <laughs> then yeah. you can see it coming halfway in the movie so that's what frustrated me i wanted more out of these i mean i think ultimately this this little project that they this little project that they did (laughs) um what it it struck me as was okay uh around the theme of horror let's give people a holiday prompt and then put together a story with that i mean that's essentially what it was and I, i don't think we have to expect it to be more than that it's fun. Yeah. You know, if they ran this at the local library and people were making movies about holidays, this would be great. <laughs> this would be great compared to everything else that would be shown, probably. Yeah. yeah I mean, honestly, I think this is about as good as you're going to come up with, uh, with the basic premise of eight holiday based prompts and eight different filmmakers. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you give it to, you know, Martin Scorsese and that, <laughs> whatever other eight, like, you know, master filmmakers or something. <laughs> I, I have to give a special shout out to the cinematographer of Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. I thought it was shot incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I looked him up to see what else he's done. Nothing that exciting. He did a lot of like shorts for like collegehumor.com and stuff mm-hmm. back in the day. But um, I thought the colors were great mm-hmm. and the everything was great. I love the cinematography when she's up on the diving board and we're getting all the shots of her on the board and her feet on the edge of the board. And mm-hmm. I, I loved it. Dude, loved there it was, great. there was something about, about the first half of this short where I was just like, Oh, this is a Chris movie. It like is this Chris is, movie. this is something Chris would write. Yeah. High school. You love horror, high school drama, high school, uh, palace intrigue. You love high school <laughs> girls being like bitchy to I each other. I love high school girls being bitchy <laughs> to each other. Yeah. I, I did. One of the things that, Maybe maybe what I like best about this whole movie, and this is a weird moment, but I like the extreme wide shot when uh, our protagonist, I guess, is murdering the bully. And it's, like I said, a wide shot. You see a, a Valentine's heart-shaped candy box in the extreme foreground. In the background, she's cutting the heart out, but you can't see that at all. And it's done in very subtle sound design, and you mm-hmm. hear the girl screaming, and then there's this weird snapping noise mm-hmm. when she presumably cuts the heart out or whatever that was very subtle and kind of quiet. Uh, I don't want to say buried in the mix, but it's quiet. It was just very effective and kind of very unsettling to me because it wasn't overdone no not at all yeah it i mean i think this particular short was extremely well produced Mm -hmm. i don't think any of these movies had any subtlety to them no really at any turn even no but a lot of well, horror doesn't, um, though. Horror is not yeah, the no. genre for subtlety. But in most horror that we, we know and that's, that's popular, it's, horror is not known for being subtle. I mean, yeah. I think Chris, is looking, I think Chris was oh. looking for a little too much out of this movie. I guess so. I was looking for some art. Yeah. yeah. All I found was movie. <laughs> so okay i maybe this will prove to not be a good exercise but would you view cure screw this vignette i don't want i don't want to play that for all these would anybody would anybody give a view it to this vignette uh, 
I said I, w- I don't think I would. It, it's all relative. I thought this was one yeah. of the better vignettes in the thing. But I, would I? is it worth a view it on its own? Well, we were just talking before about, like, would you actually recommend one of these mm-hmm. segments for someone to go watch it on YouTube or whatever? Not to be watched out of this context of the movie for me. No. Okay. All right. Maybe other people have a different opinion. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah. I mean, it there was, was, there was it a was, lot of silence when I said, "Would anybody <laughs> give this a view?" It one of I my was, I was silence was deafening. It. I was thinking about it because it is it is cute, but I don't know. I like I that know. you describe the movie where a girl murders her bully and shows up on her teacher's doorstep <laughs> with her severed heart. It's cute. I love that. I mean, you in know? the context, it's kind of cute. I mean, no, like I, I said before, young love. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was one of my favorite segments in the movie, and I think it's the segment that maybe is most comfortable at the intersection of the holiday it's about and horror, as opposed to something like Father's Day, which is kind of detached from the holiday. It's just kind of an interesting story about a father, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, or Halloween, even, which which we'll get into. We'll get Doesn't there. really make yeah. the most of the Halloween holiday. Not mm-hmm. at all, so, no. But th- this is definitely a Valentine's Day story as much as it is a horror story and so i appreciate it for that reason too mm-hmm. so next up is saint patrick's day um which as we talked about is about a grade school teacher who has a creepy kid in her class creepy um, kids. there's creepy. a I, I don't know i really like the directorial voice of this one as katie was saying like there's a lot of there's an edgar Wrighty kind of like mm-hmm. there's a good energy to it that just feels like a unique the voice of a unique creator you know there's this um video that they're watching about saint patrick early on in the in the uh, vignette that's about, you know, it's a, it's like an in-class video on VHS. It's just hilarious. Like St. Patrick is like twirling <laughs> these rubber snakes above his head and throwing them into the water in this reenactment. And it's, it's funny and sets a good tone. I enjoy yeah. that. And it, it's educational because I had never heard that opinion of the actual St. Patrick before, which is that the snakes from driving the snakes from Ireland is a metaphor for driving out druids and pagans. Oh, you really mm-hmm. haven't heard that before? I hadn't heard that before. Wow. Yeah, so now I'm like, oh, St. Patrick, genocidal maniac. <laughs> I, heard, I hadn't heard the take that there just were no snakes in Ireland. Yeah. So. Yeah. Total, total bullshit, basically. Um, yeah. Well, there are now because our hero basically gets magically impregnated with a huge snake creature by because mm-hmm. there's a little pagan kid in her class. Mm-hmm. That's the gag. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that kid is that creepy. That child was so frightening. Just Great, creepy smile. Creepy. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, the 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 details of how this all goes down are left pretty vague which is i'm fine with that but yeah she ends up giving birth to a giant snake she goes to see the giant snake at this pagan kind of celebration Mm -hmm. under a tree it's a big rubber snake and then the biggest mistake in this entire segment to me is that they show its stupid cg head with the (laughs) danny zuko hair on it that the guy who impregnated her has that was that Kind of almost a segment killer. You were expecting more subtlety. (laughs) I was. I was. I mean, I actually really, really liked it up until that point because it did have a very clear voice and tone Mm -hmm. and... I mean, this woman is impregnated with this thing for, what is it, like 400 days? Yeah. Yeah. She's pregnant with this snake creature and... You know, like you, you guys have said in a previous episode, like you see a pregnant woman in a horror movie, you know it's not going to end well for this woman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, not going to be a healthy baby. It's not mm. going to be a good time. And so she's pregnant with a snake creature, and she gives birth to it in a bathtub, which is a pretty gnarly scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. And 
then at the end, she there's this this yeah this pagan festival, and all these people are coming out of the long grasses wearing white and these different animal head masks and things like that, and they present her with her snake baby, and mm-hmm. she accepts it. Mm-hmm. Very killist. But ah. but then you have the father is Danny Zuko, and the snake has Danny Zuko hair, and for me, I was like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me! Like, why would you? Why? And the snake starts awful. singing "Summer Nights" in <laughs> That did not happen, unfortunately. It but just, I would have been there for it. It just totally, the Danny Zuko thing totally killed the tone for me. Yeah. Totally killed the mood. Yeah. yeah. And, and that it was made totally, it laughable. And it was totally unnecessary, yeah. especially at that late point in the thing. I mean, because this segment does have humor to it. Like I said, I mean, the St. Patrick video is very funny, at least to me. But it, it just felt like a joke that didn't need to be there. So, in a segment that was all uh, otherwise creepy, you know? Like, yeah. giving birth to a giant snake is fucked up. Here's the utility yeah. of that joke. The utility is we see her, like, waking up after St. Patrick's Day, and you hear her friend say, Oh, I didn't see you since you went off with that Danny Zuko fellow. That's fine. Yeah. We get, mm-hmm. we understand that like that maybe there was a romantic interlude, and that explains why she's pregnant, etc. So you have to do something to link that to the pagan ceremony. But if, if you didn't have a guy who was recognizably Danny Zuko, you would have to go back and shoot a scene where she's like in a bar looking at a guy who then later shows up and looks at you at the pagan ceremony or mm-hmm. something. And that yeah. would be too subtle, perhaps. <laughs> but, but why did it have to be Danny Zuko? <laughs> I mean, that hair. It, it should have been, you went off with that guy who looked like Steve Buscemi. And then, <laughs> and Steve then brought, Buscemi's actually at the pagan ceremony. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. I would have gone for that. I mean, it especially bothered me because I liked that when they were first bringing the snake baby to her, that it was clearly just like a rubber snake that all these people were holding. And I'm down for that. You know, I love practical effects. I was like, okay, this doesn't look great, but they're shooting around the head. They're not showing us the head. That's great. You know, we can, we can work with this. And then just like the dumbest looking CGI head. Otherwise I'm all in on this segment. Yes. I <laughs> bugged the heck out of me. Oh I I thought I mean from from fairly early on in this segment I thought this this was just bonkers and just wild and I loved it. I was so there for it. And I don't hate the off the wall ending because I'm not sure where else you could go without having to take more time to explain it. So just present them with this absolutely bonkers scenario and leave your audience being like, what the fuck did I just watch and end it there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish it had ended there. Then we go back and we see that the little girl's going to run the same play on her new teacher who's a nun, apparently. Yeah, I didn't find that necessary. I would have enjoyed it better if it ended with like the 70s style, like yeah. Iris in on freeze frames of her dancing with the <laughs> snake those right. were those were delightful would anybody give this segment a view it i'm not giving any of them a view it so you can take that to the bank take that to the bank i i'm so I, i'd be so close to like actively recommending this segment to people and i might actually now that i'm thinking about it, i might be like this is great but also you have to see this insanely bad creative choice that they make right yes. towards the end mm-hmm. i guess it was another one of my favorites though yeah from mm-hmm. the film i would have given it a view it if not for danny zuko <laughs> yes, exactly. That killed it Danny Zuko ruins everything. <laughs> it was distracting. I'll give it. I'll give you that. Yeah. It was. It was very cheesy. Very cheesy. Yeah. Just a but what, and, odd he, and he's wearing a leather, a black leather jacket that has a snake, snake on, on it on yep. the back. 
And it's, but not the same snake emblem that they're showing in the rest of the movie. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, they keep they keep bringing back the spiral right. the spiral snake motif. Yeah, yeah. And they completely missed a beautiful opportunity to use it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, which that is a really cool little visual nod when she's in the car in the parking lot and there's a spiral of shopping carts surrounding yeah. her car. Yeah. That was a cool callback. And to that in motif. the playground, she finds herself in the middle yes. of a spiral too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, Grania, the little girl, gives her like this snake made out of grass that's in a in a spiral yes mm-hmm. good stuff so a segment that i will reveal up front that i absolutely would give a view it to is the easter segment <laughs> oh really no this segment is bonkers, bonkers and i love it <laughs> no let me tell you something about this easter segment before we get into the weeds on that um before we get into the easter grass on that <laughs> uh, it was written and directed by nicholas mccarthy now you may have forgotten who like i did who is nicholas mccarthy yeah he is the director of at the devil's goddamn door wow and wow. he's the director of the prodigy Wow. Yeah. Oh, I saw the... Oh, no. No, you didn't see the Prodigy, but I I, I instant message you. recapped you. it in excruciating detail. <laughs> I, one day, I was just talking to Patrick online, and I just <laughs> typed out the entire the entire synopsis, the most in-depth synopsis you could ever imagine of the Prodigy the day after I saw it. The, this is why line. I feel like I did yeah. see it. <laughs> line by line, blow by blow. Yeah. I mean, amazing. he practically rewrote the screenplay in they just transcribed instant it. message form. Yeah, basically. But yeah, well, so, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad that you're keeping tabs on these directors because I've been wondering if any of them are actually notable in any way yeah. other than Kevin Smith. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is uh, about. I mean, so a great opening scene. I really enjoy the exchange between the mom and the child in the opening scene because it feels very real. Like mm-hmm. the girl keeps asking all these questions about the Easter Bunny and Jesus and Easter and the resurrection, and the mom is questions trying... to which there are no good yeah. answers for. And she's she's <laughs> yeah. so confused. She's like, "Where does the Easter Bunny come in with the resurrection of Christ?" And yeah. like, she's trying to make sense of it, and her mom can't make sense of it and she's like no just believe (laughs) and yeah and the mom is doing her best and then at some point she's just like all right just go to sleep like it's all Mm -hmm. gonna be okay there'll be easter candy in the morning like shut the fuck up and overnight basically the worst nightmare vision that a child could summon from this vague description of jesus and the easter bunny just this insane amalgam of the crucified Jesus and a bunny appears in the house. It was it is horrifying. It was absolute nightmare fuel. Yes. Zombie bunny Jesus is the best way to describe horrifying. it. And I think it's a man in a suit. One hundred percent. Oh, def- you can tell yeah. the way that mask moves. Yeah, yeah. that is because the I mean, eyeballs don't move. So bad. I'm yeah. sorry, but the mask was the mask was. I thought awful. it looked great. Oh, I, I love it. I don't. I wouldn't even say man in a suit. I would say it was just a incredible prosthetic. Work. Yeah, it was right. definitely makeup. Work. I just meant as opposed to CGI. Oh yeah, yeah. he looked great. I, yeah, I loved it as well. <laughs> he looked great, and yeah, this was another movie where I was trying to fish for meaning. I don't know if there's anything there. <laughs> no, you know? it, it, there's no. no meaning to any. It of It feels these. like when you take the figure of Jesus Christ and transform him so much that that would be done with some kind of intention. No. <laughs> no this, absolutely That's why not. I'm looking for meaning. No, no it's this just... is the nightmares of any child raised in the Catholic Church. Like, right. you go, you you hear about, you know, there's there's the the Easter bunny and there's Jesus' resurrection and this is what happens when you combine these two things. You get a zombie Easter Jesus. And and it's just, it's... I feel like this is this is this director and this writer bringing his nightmares as a child mm-hmm. being you know raised in church or something to 
to light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just kind of preying on the over-imaginative mind of any creative child, I would say. But the, I mean, the creature was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, I mean, we should describe it. So, I mean, it's a you know, it's Jesus. He's got the stigmata. He's mm-hmm. got the crown of thorns. He's naked except for a loincloth. He crouches and kind of hops like a bunny. He has a naked, like, human face, but has bunny ears that are also just... He's definitely got, like, a bunny face. Yeah, he has a, yeah, yeah. It's a bunny nose face. and mouth are... He's got jowls like a rabbit. And whiskers yeah. and, like, right. a little nose it's gnarly. that twitch. And the ears, but it's all... None of it is fur. It's all, like, human skin. So right. yeah. his ears are just... And he's very wrong. moist. He is. He's very moist, He's yeah. extremely very moist. It's, well, I think he disgusting. from the egg that rolls oh. in the door. Oh. Yes, yeah, that's right. An egg rolls in. He hatches out of that. He um, hatches little baby chicks out of his stigmata. Mm-hmm. It is a gnarly creative yeah, is, vision. Do you call the whole stigmata or stigmata just, just wounds that, that mimic the appearance of the... Of the... I don't know. This, well, is beside, the Catholic. this is beside the point. <laughs> Because I, I know that if my hands start bleeding, that's stigmata. But if you're actually Jesus, I don't know if it's called stigmata. But, yeah, but, I don't know. But we know sure. we know what we're talking about. We're talking about right. he's got the hole still. Right, and he yeah. also has the um, the gash in his yes. side. Yes. yes. And he makes the girl put her fingers in it. Oh, yeah, that was, that, was that was disgusting. That was the whole <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is just insane. Insane creative vision. You know, all right. Yeah, I didn't really like this one at the time. And again, it seemed like kind of just a one-trick pony kind of story. But So I'm curious, what's a short... Tell me a short that had that you saw that had depth to it in my life yeah i mean especially like within a so i mean you know you, you see the oscar nominated shorts every year there's there's depth to those um but it's hard to get depth across in a short especially a horror short yeah that's like that a good point like you're gonna go for like sort of an over over the top thrill of some sort maybe i have an unrealistic standard i think mother's day which we're about to get to um <laughs> had some themes that was going for I'm I'm I am intrigued to get there. I don't, I'm not saying I haven't figured out, but I, I think it was there was a lot more subtext in that one than this one. I don't know. I guess I'm looking for subtext. So I mean, the Easter one ends kind of abruptly. The Easter zombie Jesus tells the girl that he's that she's going to replace him, and she basically becomes zombie Easter Jesus, and that's pretty much it. That was a good <laughs> scene. That might yeah. be actually my favorite scene with the ears growing out of her no, head in shadow. That, not that part, but but where the Easter bunny and the girl are just having a conversation, and it kind of mimics the conversation the girl is having with her mother, where she's got all these questions about, wait, <laughs> you're saying I have to become an Easter bunny now? Well, you know, what if I don't want to? Will I ever, you know? And he's like, you'll never see your mother ever, ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's know. just kind of like, okay. I was invested in that scene more than more than anything else in this mo- in this anthology, maybe. Okay, so this was officially the point in the movie where I realized we've just watched four. Uh, that was number three. three. Three movies written and directed by men, all about female characters, all of whom are in some way like missing or pining after a man in their life. Hmm. It's like, interesting theme here that was interesting and Mm -hmm. you know what because you see the list of directors at the beginning of the movie so like i knew kevin smith was there and this is actually the one that i thought might be kevin smith before the halloween one started Mm -hmm. oh no you haven't seen enough kevin smith yeah (laughs) i knew kevin smith's the like the second it started like before anybody even entered or was speaking i was like that's kevin smith oh yeah for sure once once we got to that (laughs) okay but but when this one started and i hadn't seen the kevin smith one yet i was like is this kevin smith like Mm. making the zombie jesus rabbit yeah like (laughs) this kind of thing 
But no, I was, so I was looking for, I was trying to figure out which one's Kevin Smith. And I was trying to figure out which one is the female directed one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you wait a while. Yeah. So we might as well get to that one. Yeah. I guess. Mother's Mother's Day. I'm, I'm I mean, uh, did anybody have any other thoughts on the Easter one? Uh, I just, I, I really liked the creativity of this horrific creature trying to bring in. I don't know. It, it shows the absurdity of trying to bring to hide the pagan holiday while still bringing in elements of it into the Christian celebration of Easter. Hmm. It makes no sense to include bunny rabbits and eggs in a celebration about the resurrection of Jesus. And Hmm. I like how it shows the absurdity of trying to bring these two very different things together. Just going for the most horrific possible amalgamation of the two. Exactly. So a great image. Yeah. So, uh, Mother's Day. Mother's Day. This one didn't do much for me. I, I'm, I'm going to be low energy Jeb on this one because it mm. didn't do much for me. So I didn't someone, care for this one at all. Yeah. So oh. someone who has strong feelings about yeah. it, like I liked it. Um. So we have, a, like I said, we have a woman. I guess her name's Kate. She keeps getting pregnant, and after like her twentieth abortion or something, her doctor sends her out to this desert commune thing where there's a bunch of women who are trying to get pregnant and they end up drugging her and they're like oh no you're special you're a gateway um her labor really kicks into high gear at this place she's being held there against her will on the influence of drugs she almost escapes but goes into labor and then a big bloody full-size adult arm comes out of her as she's delivering and that's the end Gotcha. So, and I guess my problem with this actually is similar to the complaint you've been articulating about most of the other ones is that this feels like it's just building to a single very brief punchline. It Mm -hmm. sets a very sort of subdued tone and feels like it's building to something more or something a little more character based. And then it literally the final shot that lasts a split second is just this bloody arm coming up from between her legs. And I felt nothing, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. What did you, what'd you guys think? Yeah, I, I felt like it was trying to portray like subtlety and nuance and everything. But I'm like, who are these people? Why do they have her there? Why is she pregnant? What is she pregnant with? And like, why is she why is she and, and this baby so special to them? And then you see at the end that a fully formed arm comes out. It's like, okay, well, what is that thing? And why does it matter to these women? I think it was just a cult, and and the their ideology, whatever influence they might be having on the pregnancy, is kind of irrelevant. I think for me, I mean, I thought it was very abstract, but I felt like they were trying to get at something or depict some kind of very similar to like Rosemary's Baby. The horror here is like the horror of not being in control of your reproductive mm-hmm. choices. Uh, yeah, that's what I kind of got out of it. And so I feel like there's some subtext there when you have women who, I mean, this is something that women who don't want children or are unable to have children encounter all the time in real life, where you have people who love children and want children and maybe, and, and they don't understand that point of view. So she's in the support group for women who can't get pregnant and as soon as she tells them that her problem is that she can't stop getting pregnant she's a pariah (laughs) and so i thought that was interesting and you know i don't know having the visual of a full-size arm coming out and then i think it grabs her leg right yeah it does that's the last thing you see i i feel like it's just trying to say something 
I, I mean, I'm not one to talk too much about the experience of a woman, but. <laughs> so I, I mean, this one didn't like hit as hard for me as some of the other ones, but I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was, um, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for the filmmakers if they were trying to go in depth with anything, but for me, it's a kind of an interesting take on like how society kind of for forces motherhood on a lot of people and how even when it comes down to it sometimes women aren't always supportive of each other's choices to or to not be mothers that was interesting and i just thought like to really bring home the horror the whole like hand coming out at the end was particularly fascinating but that also made sense because earlier on they mentioned how every time she destroys the life it grows stronger so that visual kind of, yeah. I think, so, brought that back. I, I, so, I mean, I, I agree. I liked that moment where the woman is rude to our protagonist about the fact that she conceives every time. You know, she's like, oh, wow, that must be a terrible problem to have. I mean, I think that's a good moment, but I don't think we should mistake that moment for being the whole movie, the whole short no. film, because no. otherwise, like, there's not a lot. I- and I wasn't saying that it was. I just think that's a kind of an interesting thing that's sort of placed in there that is also like relevant in this whole story that's about forced motherhood. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. The, yeah, the rape stuff is also really weird. There's this. Oh, I forgot about who that. Shows up and like clearly impregnates her. Uh, that I stuff totally is all really weird that. and just weirdly sort of like tossed off. It's very, mm-hmm. just feels very cursory to me. It's various iterations on a theme throughout. It's like Get Out, but for women who don't want to have kids. Wow, that is an absurd (laughs) statement. (laughs) Um, You know, she doesn't want to have kids. There is that moment, but that's just one of the many things that happens. You know, she's forced to participate in these fertility ceremonies that she's uncomfortable with. She tries to leave. They don't let her. They end up drugging her. I mean, honestly, why is she there? Because her doctor gave her the suggestion as a last resort because nothing else was working. And of course, the doctor's in on it too so it's like you know there you go you can't trust your doctor uh you're going out to this desert thing you can't trust anyone there there's some sinister male figure there who shows up when you're at your like most vulnerable moment you're forced to have a baby you're poisoned in the oatmeal it's just it's just a lot of stuff and that, but I, you know what i i don't say it works entirely like it yeah. didn't hit me in the soul and say yeah. yes that's it but it had subtext. It had something that it was trying to hint at or get at or illustrate more so than, oh, I showed up at my swim teacher's door with a heart because he needs a heart and it's Valentine's Day. There's more to it. So I appreciate that. This was the only movie that even attempted to do something that was left to interpretation. I, mm-hmm. I love your ongoing quest for subtext in this movie. Yeah. And this one, I appreciate this, it. This, this one has it. I will say that. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on the Mother's Day segment? Would anybody view it? Give it a view it. No. No. I'm not going to view any of these, but I I did appreciate what it was going for. And uh, although, you know, interestingly, because I think we mentioned this, it is one of the ones that has the most tenuous connection to the actual holiday. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. It has nothing to do with Mother's Day, except there's a throwaway line. It's like like someone forgot one of the required elements in their their 48-hour film challenge, and so they just add a line where it's like, Happy Mother's Day, Mama. By the way, it's Mother's Day. (laughs) And that's it. But it is is all about motherhood. 
So that's interesting. And this is, you know, that's an interesting thing too. This filmmaker clearly took the assignment of Mother's Day and made a piece about how she sees motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, St. Patrick's Day being about, oh, this is how I feel about Snow. Well, I don't know. That was an Irish filmmaker for St. Patrick's Day. So that maybe that's how he feels about St. Patrick's Day. Well, yeah. And the, the Mother's Day one was the only one directed by, written and directed by a female, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And, you mm-hmm. know, the Halloween one was written and directed by a ghoul. So. <laughs> oh, got him. Father's Day. Uh, Katie, I. Th- you you really reacted to this, so I want to hear from you first. Um, I thought I I loved it. I thought it was so atmospheric, and um, just the as she's following these tapes that or this tape that her father had left her, and we start to discover as she's walking and and retracing the steps that he's um, guiding her down, that he's actually recording. He recorded this while she was with him as a child, and yeah. and. That to me was so creepy and unsettling, and mm-hmm. I'm like, where is he leading her? What? Why Their is last like? Day why together. is he not in her life? Like, I was thinking, and when she's looking through the pictures, like, is he a serial killer? Like, is he in prison? Like, what is his? What's his deal? And as he's leading her, kind of on this journey, years later, it just. It was very spooky, very creepy to me, and I was like, "Where is this leading to?" So I liked that. I did have, I did feel a lot of suspense about where this was yeah. going, yeah. you know, because he walks her through these directions, these different streets, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Where is this winding up?" Because mm-hmm. at this point, too, like it was all very dilapidated. Mm-hmm. It must mm-hmm. have been like a booming seaside, um, looks like, like entertainment. City. Actually, I've never been to Atlantic City. Atlantic City looks like dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like what I imagine. I've been there. Don't go. But it looks like an old, like a dilapidated seaside resort town or boardwalk or something like that. It had a lot of fuck with Jersey. All our Jersey listeners are going to come for you now. (laughs) I just started watching The Sopranos, so I'm not going to fuck with anybody. (laughs) It it had like um kind of like a Silent Hill vibe to Mm -hmm. me, which I really enjoyed about it. Yeah, Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah. Talk about Silent Hill. Yeah, you're right. What the fuck? you know about pyramid head <laughs> i know i saw a picture online of a pyramid head made out of like pizza, pizza boxes. i saw yeah. that Sweet. that was so great Wearing, like a pizza yeah. uh, pizza oh. apron i yeah. might have to put that in pizza face killer yeah you might have to um all right so uh, <laughs> well let's explain briefly so she gets the tapes and ends mm-hmm. up following her dad's footsteps into some sort of area where the tape is like, oh, now you're, you're here of your own free will. Now you're we're together again. And there's a figure in a chair who turns around. And I guess that's her dad, but he's some kind of unholy thing. Yeah, I don't Goblin. think that was her dad, though, because he was oh. saying, like, he has an appointment to see... Because the dad yeah. was saying on the tape, like, I have an appointment to see him. Or, yes. You're the, going to see him. The demon. So it was some sort of demon. The demon pretends he, he's the one you love. Or, I don't know. Which not, would so make I thought sense. that, like, the father had given himself over to this demon I'm and was... sure I understand. Oh, shit. P- well, I don't either. talking to me. Siri is talking to me. Good night, Siri. Goddamn iPad. Um... But I think that the like the dad had willingly given himself over to this demon. At least this is my interpretation. The dad had willingly given himself over to this demon and had left these breadcrumbs for his daughter to follow so that she could eventually devote you know, give herself over to the demon and they could be together again. And she had to but she had to be there of their, her own free will in order to do that. Mm. It's very abstract and I think it's more terrifying because it's so abstract. Yeah. And I feel like an idiot because I watched this whole 
Because they start. Does anyone remember what the first shot of this movie is? I thought it was the no. box for that Father's Day. No, box. the first shot of this movie is Planet Earth with like oh, the, the moon. Eclipse. Yes, oh. which recurs. We see because I guess there's an eclipse happening. Yeah, of some that's sort. right. Yeah. So we see like the moon going across the Earth at an angle that we're very unused to seeing in movies, and something about that made me think, and I feel like a fool saying it, that the dad was gone because he was an astronaut. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time. I, I mean, I that, that's that. fair. There's no reason in the end that he because we see recurring shots of this we eclipse. We see the eclipse and four or five we hear times. him talking about, it, it sounds very much like a tape you would leave for your daughter before you went on the interstellar yeah. mission that you're yeah. not going to come back from. And she thought he was dead this whole time. Mm-hmm. He's the mm-hmm. astronaut's, no, she's the astronaut's daughter. Yeah, the astronaut's daughter. <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, I'm ready for the sci-fi twist. I'm ready for her mm. to go see the aliens and shit. And I thought that was where that was going. Mm. And then even when that thing was sitting in a chair, I'm like, oh, that's the alien. Uh, no, it's, mm. I don't know. But You were going full X-Files on this. Yeah. I want the ending of this film to just be the X-Files opening uh you know what Credits. I decided? Yeah, that would work. You know what I decided? I think I might have told Patrick this, but you know why presidents age in office? It's not about the stress of the job. It's because when you're the president and you go talk to the alien, you have to enter his time space oh. and his, gravita- his gravitational mm. force yeah. accelerates time. Yeah. So you go talk to the alien for 20 minutes, you come out of the, the black vault and you have aged 10 years. Yeah. Makes I, total sense. Yeah. That does make sense. I agree. Yeah. I believe that. Yep. Yeah, this vignette didn't do a ton for me personally. Um, I did enjoy Jocelyn Donahue's performance. I think she always brings it. Um, brings and, it and more than she did in Dead Awake. Yeah, oh, that's true. I guess yeah. she didn't bring it that much in Dead I, Awake. I felt like a fucking idiot for being like, oh, I like Jocelyn Donahue. And then we watched Dead Awake. And I was people were like, why do you like her, Chris? Because she's hot. I'm like... <laughs> I thought she's a good actress. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, yeah, she's a good actress. Yeah, and I mean, in this, she's she's alone for most of it and having to do some well, like difficult character shit and make some big it. decisions throughout it's a one the one woman show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One woman, one demon. Yeah. And a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. Any view it's for Father's Day? I want to say yes, but yeah. I already said I wouldn't give any of these a view. That's okay. You can go back <laughs> you on can, your word. I, okay. I'm actually going to take back what I said earlier with yeah. being view it's, and I would call this one a view it. Uh-huh. Okay. I like I like this one a lot. I want to know more about the story with the dad and the demon, and yes. like who is this demon, and and you know, yeah. I, I need some more answers. It's but one. Of- I liked the yeah. feeling overall and the creep factor, and yeah, um, it. It really drew me in. It really drew me in. I, I mean, I, I will say I thought it established a good mood. It just, I don't know, didn't leave much of a mark on me after, afterwards. That's fair. It's one of the, I think, short films that could have been expanded upon. Like, you could create, mm-hmm. like, a full-length film potentially out of this. Obviously, you'd have to add a lot more. It wouldn't just be, like, this this moment drawn out. But I think you could make a very interesting film yeah. out of this one. Maybe. I, I would hope so. I agree with what you're saying. I'm, th- I'm reminded of you know, how a lot of filmmakers will make short films with the intention of maybe developing them or getting funding to make a feature version. I mean, that happened with Saw. That happened with Cargo, our favorite movie. Um, <laughs> and this could do the same kind of thing. Uh, except I don't know if, if it's 
I don't know. It's what would a longer version of this movie look like? The mystery, what we don't know, is what's so intriguing. I don't know how, how you can how much longer you can stretch that out. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'd be interested in seeing. I'd be interested in seeing someone try. I'd be interested in seeing a horror version of Interstellar where Dad is an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> That's called the astronaut's wife. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up the director of Father's Day. His name is Anthony Scott Burns, and now I have not seen. Any of the Tron movies? Have you? Have <gasps> yeah. You? No. Um, well, I, I saw the, the the newer ones. I okay. haven't seen the old ones. But the the premise of Tron, and I actually thought of Tron as I was watching this because isn't that kind of the premise? It's like, oh, your dad got lost mm. in the yes. game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a new get one. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what if I told you that Anthony Scott Burns on IMDb has a Tron short on his resume? Mm. That tracks. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So maybe this is just some leftover. Uh, stuff or some stuff he was thinking about while he was making his little Tron. Mm-hmm. Tron leftovers. A Tron legacy, oh, one might say. Yes. Maybe his dad maybe the dad, Jocelyn Donahue's dad was just gaming. Maybe that's what he looks like because he drank too much monster energy yes. <laughs> playing <laughs> Death Stranding for 36 hours 30 years straight. <laughs> It you. <laughs> it's me. And, and all he ever wanted was to play video games with his daughter. And now yes. she's old enough where she can appreciate that. Now they got two players. Yeah. But the, the second controller's batteries are dead. Because <laughs> it's been 30 years. He just wanted her to play Metal Gear Solid. He just wanted her to play MGS. <laughs> all right, well, on to Halloween. Halloween. In oh, which, God. In One which Kevin time. Smith explores the horror of uh, the horror male of- anal penetration and vibrators, which is the scariest thing that Kevin Smith can seem to come up yeah, with. Yeah, it's like the horror of abusing women with consequence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would say this is the first of two movies in which a male director um, thinks he's a male male writer slash director thinks he's making a hot shit feminist movie because a because the women get their revenge. Yeah, know. they turn the tables. It's very Tarantino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, uh, there's uh, as Chris described him earlier, a Kevin Smith stand-in who is a kind of like a pimp for cam girls and. Mm-hmm. God, there's so little plot. I mean, basically, the cam girls, he's an asshole. The cam girls yeah. turn against him, uh, lock him in a cam room, super glue a vibrator inside his asshole, and attach it to a car battery that they control remotely, and then instruct him to show him, show, show them his pussy, by which they mean they want him to cut a pussy in his uh, genitalia. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crude. It's like, I'm, I wasn't going to describe it because I don't want to. It's like. It's another. It's another one of these shorts that's very thin, and the detail is just all gratuitous, like shock, like oh look, we, we put a vibrator up his ass. Ha mm. <laughs> ha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the only connection this one had was they just it was on Halloween night. Yeah. There was really no real connection yeah that he was forcing the girls to stay in and work on halloween even though nobody was calling in because everybody's at halloween parties on halloween which and theoretically this should have been one of the easiest ones to tie to the holiday because it's a horror movie like there's so many (laughs) opportunities i didn't even think about that until just now how little this has to do with halloween yeah you could have done so much more with halloween yeah Yeah. it's like they called Kevin Smith, and he's like, "Well, I have this idea right. for a movie about cam girls yeah. who kill their their guy." Yeah, I guess it could take place on Halloween. Well, I was thinking about super gluing a dildo yeah. up an asshole. What do you yeah. think about that? 
Yeah. Uh, really didn't turn the dial. Gosh, yeah. Almost. I mean, uh, for a movie in which a, a, a vibrator gets super glued inside a guy's ass and he then cuts his junk off to create a vagina, there's not a lot to say about it. No. And so Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn Smith, is in this one and she's kind of the leader of the three and she gives this speech about how the three of them together are witches a coven. and yeah. Yeah. coven and the power of women in threes but it is the most unintimidating speech their acting that, skills were not um, they left a lot to be desired yep um <laughs> like it was supposed to be this powerful speech about the power of women and it just was like it just rang so hollow and then the idea that these these women he's been controlling them for a long time and they don't really have any spines but then for them to go from that to mm. all of a sudden oh they knocked him out and they've done all this stuff to him and they went from kind of whimpering helpless people to creative and ingenious and very sadistic like mm. like the flip of a switch I'm like where what it well. just that, i mean i'm i'm all for suspending disbelief when watching horror movies but that was it didn't feel there was right no to me build no yeah and what they were willing to do before then no not at all and i think that's because this is a movie about kevin smith wanting to feel like he's you know a big bad feminist filmmaker making I... a big bad fem well a little a little bad feminist short um, <laughs> i guess through, uh, then it is about actually building characters and doing anything character yeah. based you know through a depiction of like abuse which is has no depth to it right and it's it's like you know the issue with with any sort of abusive situation like that is not like it seems so shallow to have that 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 switch and be like oh now they're gonna like get their revenge and stuff like i don't know well so i just want to pick up on what katie was saying about the coven too because that especially that's really set up as something that I mean, especially because it's a, a short that takes place on Halloween. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, they're going to do some witchy shit. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, that goes give, nowhere. Give me yeah. a movie. All right. It's all the same. They lock them up in the room. They put them on cam. They can even, you know, harass them in the way that they did on cam. But then you have them, like, cut back to them in the kitchen watching the webcam. And they also have their, like, book of spells, sure. you know, on their phone. And they're like, uh, and they're, like, just fucking around in the kitchen being like, oh, do we have any, like, fucking sage and they're like oh, <laughs> yeah or one of them's like one of them's like uh is the vibrator working it's like there's no vibrator in there we just stuck a cord up his ass and then cut know? away cut away and then like the vibrator the, is a spell when the new girl shows up at the end as she does in the film like she knocks and like opens the door and she sees something horrific going on yeah it's like some legitimate witch shit going on Give they that. make this joke that he's no longer with the company because of cutbacks but um yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what what I was going to say was I don't think Kevin Smith was going for some feminist uh, story at all. I think he just wanted to make a gross out, you know, kind of raunchy little little horror vignette. Uh, that's what I got. He wanted to make something that was kind of fun, and you know, what? it was kind of fun. It wasn't good. The <laughs> acting was terrible, but it was also yeah. kind of fun. Well, but yeah, you know, was. sure. I get. I don't know. I didn't have a lot of fun. You know, see, I thought it, I thought it was kind of fun too. <laughs> yeah, did you? 
Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good, but it was just like, ah, oh, oh, yeah. The approach is good fun for them. In the kind of like lowbrow comedy way, which, I mean, not to, not to cast judgment on it for this, because I was laughing a little bit, but like, you, when you have two people who are like just completely foul saying depraved shit to each other, it's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not supposed to be. I don't That's think why it I treat was. Patrick the way I do. <laughs> I don't think it was going for anything more than that, is what I mean to say. And so for what it was going for, for just being this yeah. kind of like is you know a little bit gratuitous yeah but it kind of went there more than the other ones did yeah like it took it took things farther yeah than any of the others did and here's my problem when you put a guy in a in a saw scenario which is basically what he's in mm-hmm. um he's being told that to survive he has to mutilate himself I start thinking, like, oh, how's he going to get out of this? Well, we've established that he's got, like, a household, like, vibrator cord going into his body. And then they give him a big-ass knife. Huh. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> Just cut the knife, bro. Cut the wire. Cut the cord. Yeah, I don't cut think, the cord. Was he in a mental space to make that kind of uh, decision? I feel like that's a pretty basic. Yeah. That's a pretty basic logic. Not asking him to do All algebra. Right. How here. often have would, you been cut... stuck in that situation? Okay, I would cut the cord. I would look for every other opportunity other than to perform surgery involving rem- removing my own genitals. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely try cutting the cord first. <sighs> All right, well, onwards to the Christmas short, which, whoo, how does this technology work? There's this virtual reality technology that everybody's murdering each other to get. Don't care. Don't care how it works. Loved it. Did you? I mean, I I thought it was an interesting premise. Basically, there's a virtual reality headset that is somehow... And it it reminds me of something in literature. I don't know what it is. Or maybe like the mirror in Harry Potter. Where like Mm. the way it works is it gives you a virtual reality fantasy that's tailored to you and your psychology and your memories. Mm -hmm. Great concept. And a man is desperate to get one. But the last one at the store is in the hands of some businessman who conveniently drops dead in the parking lot. He has the opportunity to save him, but instead he decides to steal his shit because he's got an overbearing wife who's like texting him like, did you get it? Did you get it? And he doesn't want to well, yeah, let her the, down. The dude has a heart attack or something and he needs like his heart pills. He needs his pills. And the guy chooses to steal the toy instead of giving the guy his Not pill. just steal the toy and give him the pills, but st- steal the toy and right. let the dude die. Let the guy die. And like step on some the pills as he leaves and so that just sets up a beautiful uh like a monkey's paw scenario or uh my one of my favorite tales from scary stories to tell in the dark Wait, what's a monkey's paw the monkey's paw oh. the, the 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 monkey's paw grants you wishes, the wishes. Oh, okay. but all the actually i don't think anyone kills anyone to get it in the story or do they but it corrupts no. all your wishes yeah oh, okay. all your wishes go awry um where is the story what's the story from Oh, it's just a traditional. The oh, monkey's like paw. Old, old yeah. Yeah. It's an oldie. Thing. It's an oldie yeah. but goodie. Yeah. Um, but Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark has a story called The Bed by the Window, which I have told Patrick about before, where there's three men in a nursing home, and they're ta- always ta- the one closest to the window is always talking about how beautiful the views are. And then when he dies, the next person moves down and talks about how beautiful the views are. And the third guy can't take it anymore. So same situation. The guy's heart attack pills are on the nightstand and he moves them so he can't get them. And so he dies and the third guy gets to move by the window, but all he sees out the window is a brick wall. Oh. (gasps) So I was like, okay, this is interesting. You have something that like shows you something, a desirable product that is tapped into your psyche and you killed a man to get it. And now you're going to give it to your son. 
it doesn't really make the most of that concept. So, and I mean, yeah, and we haven't really explained where it goes with this, but I mean, at first the guy takes the thing from his son and puts it on and sees like a BDSM scene. Like he's living out (laughs) his sexual fantasies and then it transitions to him seeing the scene of the guy dying while he steals his toy from the dying guy's perspective, which Mm -hmm. why don't know why. Like, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be like a one, uh, 1% to 2% of the time this toy malfunctions that's explained later in the, in the movie as well. Uh, and then he sees his his wife who has killed oh, her boss and but, but first like he the wife like he goes to work or something and he gets home and his wife is standing there and she's like he's like where's where's our kid she's oh like, right and the the wife has seen in the technology what her husband has done yeah the sex oh no, she saw the sexual fantasy. She, no, no, she sees the murder. She sees the murder. Yeah, because no, she says no. she says you didn't you forgot to log out and he's yeah. like you didn't see it. She's like I saw everything and he's like I like what no, did he she, She's like why did you just tell me one oh, thing? Yeah. Why did you do it? Yeah, that's and right. And he's like because he had what I wanted and I'm tired of being nice. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate aphrodisiac. Yeah, and then she's like, "That's the hottest thing you've ever said to me." And they have sex on the floor. I didn't remember the reference to the crime being so explicit. I th- I read it as that she saw the sexual fantasy and it turned out she was actually into it too. No, she saw no, the, so she not, totally she yeah. totally saw the crime. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. I thought that was supposed to be the the little twist or the joke of the scene. But and then it's mirrored because later on he puts it on after his wife's been using it and finds out that. Uh, his wife is a murderer who just killed the guy who got the promotion at work that she thought she deserved. Or her boss. Her boss. Gave those promotions. But yeah. Six of one, half a dozen <laughs> of the other. She killed somebody. So basically, then he's on sale because now he's sharing a house with a murderer. Yeah. A crazed murderer who carved up her boss with a turkey carver. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice touch because it was Christmas. It was a, it was a good yeah. tribute to the holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, whatever. It was fun. Not the best Christmas horror story I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it was neat, but honestly, like, of all of them, this one didn't really do all that much for me. I think in the context of the whole thing, this one was on the more forgettable side. Yeah, it it struck me as a really half-assed Black Mirror episode. <laughs> yeah. Because there was this sort of futuristic technology, but it like it just it only did what it needed to do for the plot at any given point like Mm -hmm. it never worked in a consistent way it's like oh now it's showing flashbacks it's showing the husband and wife flashbacks of each other's past oh it's showing your fantasy so it i don't know it was just very it was arbitrary i didn't really need it to be anything else though i was like okay i'll accept that this is a magic visor that does whatever is necessary for the plot whatever but i wish that there had been something more universal about that and the whole story rather than like what if you were married to someone who's killer yeah gotcha <laughs> like i don't know also kind of carrying on some of the toxic male viewpoints in this film because the wife is just a fucking like caricature shrew yeah she, and 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 when she's a murderer we're as opposed to our hero seth green who is a, a murderer but we totally sympathize with him the whole time mm-hmm. she is just batshit mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah this is this is reminding me of how there was like a severe downhill slide in the back half of this to me because like father's day was okay but didn't do a lot for me didn't like halloween didn't like christmas 
And I'm not crazy about New Year's Eve, which is up next. I was about ready to go to bed. I was like, okay, this movie's over, right? That feels like I've been watching it for two and a half hours already. Mm -hmm. And then I see that this one, this next segment starts with, like, flipping through a photo album with, like, pictures of people through all the holidays of the year. And I'm like, oh, this is the little wrap-up vignette. This is when we find out that the mall Santa was actually the murderer or whatever. and no, we got one more. We got one more vignette to get through. New Year's Eve. What are you doing, New Year's Eve? And you know, <laughs> I will say, I I disagree. I didn't feel like it felt that long. It actually kind of snapped by for me because the segments mm-hmm. were were so quick. It it moved to me anyway. It, there were just a lot of segments, more than I'm used to seeing. There were, analogy. yeah, yeah. But yeah, New Year's Eve. Who summarized this before? You summarized it, right, Katie? Who's yes, yeah. I did. You did a very good vague job because it's almost <laughs> spoilery from the get-go because yeah. you're you're right into the serial killer's lair and he kills someone in the open opening moments, which I guess is not spoilery, but it's still kind of a... It was a shocking moment to yeah. me that that girl got killed so early on. I guess I wouldn't want to spoil that for someone. Mm-hmm. The premise is basically, oh, what if you went out with a serial killer that you met online? What if the person you dated online turned out to be a serial killer? And then what if there were two serial killers going on a date? Yeah. yeah so, premise. yeah. So what happens is like the guy who you see at the beginning, is, who is definitely a murderer, most likely a psychopath and probably a serial killer. Possibly um, a bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly a psychopath. Like Possibly he might pay a psychopath. his taxes late or something. <laughs> I, I mean, know. you, you yeah. never know. It might have been his first murder, but probably not. Yeah. I remember my first murder. Um,. <laughs> So he 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 murders the first victim that we see him murder and and he decides to you know get back out there cuz he just wants to be loved. He wants to kiss someone at midnight on He New wants Year's. to kiss someone at midnight on New Year's. Who doesn't? You, you cut to this shot of this woman sitting on her couch listening to sad music. She's alone and uh she gets a message from him I think on her dating she profile. She seeks him out, I think. Cuz she's Either way, and she's like, "Well, another New Year's Eve by myself." She's like, Oh, I should just blah, blah, blah. And then she gets on and then she sees on this perfectmatch.com. She sees this guy that yeah. we recognize as our serial killer yeah. protagonist. And so then they go out on a date together. It's New Year's Eve, like, you know, they're wearing New Year's Eve hats and having a very awkward dinner. Great mm-hmm. uh, great scene. I like that. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Good, it was good cringe. Yeah. good cringe comedy. Because <laughs> oh, like yeah. it, it's interesting. You could tell that like he really wants to be liked by her and his issue with his last victim was she didn't like him. You know, crazy. The woman is seems disinterested. She is disinterested. And you think like, you know, she's going to cut it off and he's going to like seek revenge and kidnap her. Um, but she invites him back to her place. To watch the ball drop. To watch the ball drop. Doesn't want to be alone. He goes to the bathroom to freshen up, finds her collection of dead bodies, finds her collection of eyeballs with in jars with men's names. And uh, then, yeah. names which I saw coming, like as yeah. soon as she invited him home. Oh, really? I yeah. did not I did too. at all. I did not either. I yeah. did not see the twist coming, but was very satisfied when it did. I'm like, <laughs> actually, he wasn't going in the bathroom to freshen up. He was going yeah. in there to prepare his chloroform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He was getting ready to kidnap her, and she turned those tables. Oh, my favorite part was there was uh, the there was the line of jars with the men's names on it, with eyeballs in it, and then there was an empty one with his name on it. Oh, I didn't notice. That. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's some Didn't subtlety. Yeah, yeah, and then he opens the the shower curtain oh, to see like 
limbs hanging yep. yeah. in plastic wrap disembodied just like yeah. dismembered nice. bodies decaying corpse in the tub in the it's tub. pretty pretty gnarly scene in the bathroom there and she runs in full patrick bateman yeah, yeah. plastic raincoat and starts axing him brief fight scene set to the new year's eve countdown ball yeah. drop on tv yeah. mm-hmm. and she ends up chopping him in the head and that's the end of the movie well oh, first she chops, she chops his, his, foot, his off. foot off yeah which he sure. loved i <laughs> That's a great moment. I'm sorry. That was that was enjoyable. I, yeah, I found that it was a good practical effect. It was it looked cool. The, the sock stretched out in uh, yeah, a gnarly, was gnarly way. It was really, yeah. it was pretty gnarly. Um, yeah, so that was yeah. cool. And then yeah, she gets him right between the eyes with the axe. Mm-hmm. I was surprised uh, that that was it because I thought that. The, what they were setting up to do, and you know, this is how I would have made the movie, not my, <laughs> not my movie. So I, I'm not going to hold this against it. But I thought that like she was, he was going to shoot her as he was coming down with the, as she was coming down with the axe, mm-hmm. and then they were going to die together. I thought that to too, honestly, and maybe even kiss each other. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I like that. <laughs> I, I thought that too, Chris. I, I was hoping like they would just. Do each other in, yeah, you yeah. know, just we're not off really each other. Rooting for her at that point. I, mean, um, I was kind of six of one, for half her. a dozen of the other. <laughs> uh, but no, this one, this was probably my my personal favorite. I just thought it was like it was very entertaining, and I, I also really liked the acting in this one. Yeah, I thought the performances from both of the lead characters were very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were they were good. The the weird touch at the end of this to me was she said something that I didn't understand at all at first. And then one of you two said it was in Spanish. Yeah, I think it was something in Spanish, but I don't yes. speak Spanish, so I don't, I don't know what that was. Understand the significance of that. I don't know what she said. And then also the way the way it ended with her just like dancing to Old Lang Syne with her axe in her <laughs> oh, living room. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> what a delight! Yeah. So mm. I like that this film kind of touches on underappreciated element of New Year's Eve, which is that it's fucking lonely sometimes. Mm. I don't know what your experience is. Like I said, my birthday's on New Year's Eve, and something I always encounter is like, everyone's like, oh, you must love having a birthday on New Year's Eve. I'm like, no, I don't, because yeah, everyone has the day off or whatever, but like, no one gives a shit that it's your birthday on New Year's Eve. Mm. The bartender is not going to hook you up on New Year's Eve, and all your friends are have made other plans a month and a half ago. And, you know, I've been there. A lot of people have been there where it's like, okay, I guess I'll just sit sit here with maybe someone else if I'm lucky and watch TV and hey, look at all those people having a good time. Chris, oh. hot idea for you this year, murder someone instead. I might or murder not. someone again this year. Or uh, not. Yeah. Again? Oh, that's right. That, <laughs> shit. that worked out pretty well last year. <laughs> yeah. so, I don't know. Like everyone, you know, talks about Valentine's Day being lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For single people. I would I would say New Year's Eve is oh, more yeah. lonely for single people. Mm. Yeah. I think last year uh, was... Yeah. yeah. I, can, I can speak to that. Um, <laughs> and yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Last year was like the first year I ever spent like New Year's Eve with like a, any kind of partner. And like every other year it was just like, I'm with my friends and oh, th- those yeah, friends are kissing. And oh, those friends are all kissing. And I'm just going to go find the cat and Maybe I can get it. a pity kiss. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I remember one year Chris provided me breath mints in case I got a kiss after I left his house on New Year's Eve. So I was history. going to a separate party. Yeah, that was many, Ancient many, history. many moons ago. Many moons but ago. Solid bro. Thank you. You're a solid bro too, Patrick. <laughs> Aww. Um, at least on Valentine's Day, you have like 
the Valentine's Day backlash movement to have solidarity mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. you know? Ugh. Nothing on New Year's Eve, though. No. Nothing but you and your mind and Ryan Seacrest and Anderson <laughs> Cooper and, oh, God. and uh, oh, that is Kathy the definition Griffin. of hell. <laughs> Kathy Griffin? <laughs> Not oh. Kathy Griffin anymore. Oh, right. But that was it. You ever watched that? Kathy Griffin and Anderson Cooper? Speaking of severed heads. I don't think I did. I'm not not much into New Year's. Like, New Year's Eve makes me anxious and sad, (laughs) to be honest, because I think, like, as the ball's dropping, I start thinking about, like, oh, what were my goals for the year and which ones didn't I achieve? And now time is up. Just be like my year. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Just be like me and don't set goals. (laughs) So I, yeah, New Year's Eve, I'm generally. Like I go to bed early or I'll either like I'll sometimes I'll be performing on that night or go to see other friends performing, like doing improv shows and stuff like that, because then at least you're like with other people and there's a celebratory spirit. So I I guess I'm the minority majority here in that I've mostly had good New Year's Eve's and I like New Year's Eve. So I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Oh, this is putting uh, me down a, a so whole is, spiral of like all the real yeah, horror behind all these holidays. Right? Oof, we've and, gone, we've gone too deep. And then also <laughs> with the New Year's, that whole like that whole worry about um, online dating and like, is the person online who you really think they are, and could you end up on a you know a Tinder date with a serial killer? Right. And it's mm. like, okay, so I'm just gonna stay home by myself for a while now. And <laughs> just you know, you know what I like to do on New Year's Eve? What? Drink a cup of old Lang Syne. Oh, I love it. <laughs> 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 All right. Any any other thoughts on the the New Year's Eve segment or on this whole movie in general? We've we've come a long way. We've mm-hmm. made a great journey through all these vignettes here. I feel like I've aged a year just talking about it. <laughs> I, I feel like we spent more time talking about the vignettes than most of them were. Like how you know, it was long. Yeah, they yeah, were, they were shorter than the time we spent talking about them. It's quite possible. I think we I think we are mined out. I think we've mined it out. Mm-hmm. We've mined it out. We've mined well, we've mined it all. We've trawled the seas of holidays, the movie, and we've come up with the only tuna that we're gonna get. Well in that case we have some of the standard business to take care of. You know, Steven's not here today, but I, I think Steven has told us what movie we're watching next, Steven hasn't he? Steven was very adamant about not missing his part in the democratic process. He's and a, he's a diligent aim on her and he he told us what movie we're watching next but i hear patrick that you can't make the next episode sadly no so it's but i'm gonna watch this movie on my own time and then i'm gonna weigh in very briefly at the beginning of the episode after oh, okay great because if you don't watch them all you can't say you've watched every, every horror, horror movie, movie on, on netflix, netflix. Ah! which i don't think steven <laughs> ever watched uh cabin we're Fever not worry about <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> um no, so we are watching a film next for next episode called "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark." And Steven submitted this to us like remotely, right? Yeah, he, he sent it to us by passenger he, pigeon. A letter, yep, a yeah. letter in the Telegram? mail. Mm. Can you believe it was in the mail? Mm. Yep, said, so, "Dear Chris," it was like I, I, I could hear his voice in my head as I read it. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I won't read it here for for reasons, but. Um, yeah, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. I guess it's a remake of a movie from the 70s that I guess Steve has some interest in. Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Cool. Well, in the meantime, we want to encourage everybody, as usual, go uh, give us a five-star review, not a four-star review or a three-star review or any of this other like lower-level piddly bullshit. <laughs> five stars. We deserve it. Rate us on iTunes or wherever else you, you get your podcasts. Go follow us on the socials, like, follow, share, subscribe, whatever 
you know, that stuff is that you do. And go buy some merch. You know, we talked before about the shirts. Go get some shirts. You go can get to the our... same design that's on the shirts on all kinds of shit. That's true. It doesn't have to be a shirt. A mug? Yeah. A sticker? You can put it on your computer at work. People right. say, what's that? That's disgusting. Get off of this. This is company equipment. Yeah. So, you you know, you may be one of those people who's like, oh, you know, I, I don't wear shirts. I don't like clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you still don't have an excuse. Like, go get a fucking mug or a sticker or whatever. It's at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com under the merch link. There's a link there. It says merch. Click on it. It'll take you to the store on T Public. Yes. Which is where it all lives. And where we get a handsome commission on every shirt pittance, that's sold. But yes, it helps. <laughs> it helps for sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks to our special guests, Allison yes. with a Y and Thank Katie. You. It took us 65 episodes, but we've achieved gender equity for, <laughs> for, for one episode. Never again. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> all right. For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. I'm Allison. And I'm Katie. See you next time.